Good morning. Woo! How are we? Testing one, two, three. All right, Jeff, here we go. Good morning. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. And I'm glad to be back. I made my second trip to South Dakota this summer, last week. A group of guys uh, celebrating the life of two friends, Max Tullis and Forrest Friday, in a memorial pheasant hunt that we do every year in uh, Mitchell and Chamberlain area of South Dakota. Had a great trip. Just tell Phil, other than six out of 15, obviously got the stomach bug while we were there. It was a, it was a really good trip. But, uh, you know, on that trip, one of the things that came up was a young guy. If we're doing this series about line makers and being a disciple, I just kind of wondered uh, when those opportunities are presented to you, do you respond to a fellow man or somebody else? I just tell you a little story about a guy that uh, has been hunting with us the last six years, five years. Um, he went with us the first first time uh, five years ago, and we went to a little restaurant. And uh, this young man, whose name I'm not going to mention, uh, is comes from. He he, he could certainly used some structure and 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 somebody in his life, and God just put him there for me at the time. And we went into the restaurant, and we were ordering lunch. This little place called the Depot in Mitchell, South Dakota, and the waitress was going around the table taking everybody's order, and uh, got to this this young man, and 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 he wanted a cheeseburger, and she said, "Okay, how would you like that cooked?" Deer in the headlights. Uh, good. She said, "Yeah, I, I I know that, but how how do you how do you want the meat cooked?" Uh, and he still got deer in the headlight looks, and she said, "Like uh." You want it medium, you want it medium well, and, and he was just panicked. And I said, I think he wants it well done, medium to well done. And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's what my mom cooks. It. Yeah, 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 like that. She said, okay, cheeseburger. What kind of cheese do you want? Uh, deer in the headlight again. He said, uh, yellow. And she said, oh, okay, yellow cheese. That would be either American or cheddar. Which one of those do you want? He looks again and says, uh, craft. <laughs> Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. We're given those opportunities to speak into somebody's life. And I laughed as that memory came, came up on my Facebook page yesterday of his first trip. And the growth that I've seen in that young man over the last five years has just been astounding to me. Because he's sat in a circle, he's gotten involved in the hangar group, he's been around men that have spoken into his life, that have shared times with him, good times and bad times, because he was willing to receive and because some guys saw it, saw the need, and spoke into it. Not in a way of making fun of him, not in a shaming way, but just saying, hey, let me help you here. Yellow cheese, that's what I want, yellow cheese. We continue in the series of making disciples and being a disciple, lion makers. Deer camp this last weekend, talking to Phil, five new guys. Five new guys have joined the circle of Deer Camp alumni. Welcome them. Be open for the prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity of being here. Lord, I thank you for my brothers. The journey at times can be difficult, Lord. You never said it was going to be easy. I thank you for the brothers that are surrounding us, mm. 
the brothers that walk with us. Thank you for the work that you did on the cross, mm. for the forgiveness of my sins and my brothers. In your name we pray. Mm. Amen. Amen. Joe. <clears throat> Morning, gentlemen. Morning. Uh, as I turn my microphone on, I'm glad it wasn't already on. I have to tell you a funny story, um, true story of a pastor. Um, um, I had to run back to the bathroom before we get started. And so uh, it reminded me that a pastor, um, he had his mic on, he didn't realize it was turned on. And he goes to the bathroom. And uh, he's in the bathroom and he's doing his business and his mic is on and everybody in the auditorium uh, in the sanctuary is listening to him do his business. So he's doing his business and that wasn't uh, the funny part. Um, uh, they, they, you know, they hear him finish his business and, uh, he and then evidently uh, he walks over to the sink and he's washing his hands and he looks in the uh, evidently looked in the mirror and what they hear in the sanctuary is go get him tiger <laughs> so uh i'm glad my mic wasn't on i uh, good to be here this morning so gentlemen um excited um about continuing uh, our series lion maker a call to personal growth and um i want to offer you a song this morning um the title of our session today is one more one more one more there's always one more thing you can do god always makes a way we're all in a battle every day we are being challenged the circumstances and the relationships in your life can uh, easily take you out uh, but god has intended that those circumstances and relationships that seem to be so challenging are to be fought uh, with his uh, strength so i want to offer you this song by michael w smith the words are there on your page just to read a portion of it the word says for the spirit of heaviness put on the garment of praise that's how we fight our battles this is how i fight my 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 battles so may this song encourage you in your own battles and awaken your heart to what God has for us this morning. <clears throat> this is how I fight my battles. 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 That's what we're doing tonight. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may 
Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. We continue in our series, Lion Maker, a call to personal growth. Be the lion, go make lions. Be a disciple of Jesus, make disciples of Jesus. I want to draw your attention to the uh, Lion Maker Declaration. It's there on your handout. Um, move down about five stanzas. Uh, just read the, um, uh, the one uh, paragraph there. Fifth one. I will live like today is the first day and last day of my life. I will burn sinful bridges. I will blaze new trails. I will pursue the next adventure. Be the lion. Guys, as I read that this morning, um, I will live like today is the first day and last day of my life. I, I think of the many men that I have sat with just in the last week, uh, as Joe uh, said, we had an incredible uh, deer camp um, and the guys in my office. And it, it saddens me 
at how uh, we as men waste so much of our time complaining, blaming, and criticizing. Guys, you're in a fight. And it's like, I don't want to waste any time complaining, blaming, and criticizing. Figure out what's the next thing to do. I mean, like, what what if you literally were in the Battle of the Bulge on a snowy night in Germany? I think that's, was it in Germany, right? Where is it? Is that France? Okay. You're in the woods on a snowy night, and, and you just start complaining or, or criticizing your uh, officer uh, or blaming uh, the other guy because he's got more of the foxhole or he's got the warm side of the foxhole. Dude, no. You're, you're in a fight for your life. You're trying to stay alive. Um, you figure out what the next best thing to do is, and you fight. Um, we need to see ourselves more in a foxhole on a snowy night uh, than just complaining and criticizing and blaming that life is harder than we want it to be. It's not supposed to be easy. You're in a fight. <clears throat> So this morning, um, I want you to look there on your notes at Colossians chapter 1, 28 and 29. We read this a few weeks ago. Again, this is kind of our anchor verse uh, along with 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 and 2 Samuel 23, 39. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. This is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. Each person, you and me, were designed to be growing toward maturity. Not perfection, but maturing emotionally, physically, spiritually, and relationally. To be mature is to be basic christ no more no less that's what i'm working so hard at day after day year after year doing my best with the energy god so generously gives me every day every day one more day god i am here today the day that you have given me on this day is a gift from you help me to be faithful to carry out the mission that you've given me. Isn't that the way you start your day? It's the way I try to start my day most of the days. Uh, it's a gift. What, what we see behind the curtains that's going on spiritually, the great battle that's going on sp uh, spiritually that Ephesians chapter 6 talks about is far more real than the mundane things that you and I get caught up in every day. You know, um, paying bills, uh, taking care of the house, making sure that the yard's mowed and the sidewalk is edged. That's my mission in life. Really? That's your mission? No. That's stuff you got to do. I respect that. But that's not your mission. Not at all. I hope. I hope. 
So I want you to turn over or, or open your journal or use a blank space there on the page and let's do some journaling this morning. Pen to paper. Let's go to work. I have three questions for you as we begin. Question number one, what are your dreams? And again, as I've said to you before, when I ask you that question, I'm asking you as a synonym, what are your desires? Um, where do you want to grow? What are your dreams? Jeff, put that first slide up, um, if you would, a dream. Look at this again. This is on your notes, of course, and I've shared this with you before. A dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into steps becomes a plan, and a plan backed by action makes your dreams a reality. Dreams, goals, plans, actions, reality. Where are you? What are you writing down? What action are you taking? Are you engaged in growth? I would, I, I would hope through this series that, that you are being much more deliberate and intentional about how you want to grow. Um, as, we've, as we've talked throughout this series, I mean, it, it, it can just be broken down like this. Be, uh, be better at who you are, be growing, and then go. Make a plan. Write it down on paper. Second question that I would ask you, what battle are you facing today? Now, that's probably not language that you typically use, but what is your struggle? How are you being attacked? Write that down. Who are you facing a battle? Maybe an adult son or daughter um, set with a couple um, today, uh, uh, in my office uh, that are struggling with an adult son uh, that um, is struggling with his own personal addiction and they're trying to figure out what to do, how to help him, you know. Where are you being attacked? Write that down. Define that. It's just too easy to live generally and, and we never even define the battle that we're in. We don't, we don't even see it as a battle. What circumstance, what relationship, what addiction, what past story do you continue to struggle with? Write that down. I want to show you some pictures. And my um, nephew by marriage, and he always emphasizes by marriage, uh, Daniel uh, is facing um, a challenge helping his dad. Uh, last Wednesday morning, I was driving up from Fairhope, and um, Daniel's dad lives in Elizabethton, Tennessee, beautiful log cabin that he built. Um, had a wood-burning stove, um, chimney fire, and um, 
his house burned to the ground uh, last Wednesday. Burned to the ground. Ten years ago, Daniel's mother was killed in an automobile accident in Elizabethton. And Daniel's dad, who was 78, um, as he said to Daniel, he said, everything that I've lived for, I've lost. Ten years ago, I lost my wife. Um, I've now lost my house. It's a hard place to be. Um, and Daniel is helping his dad. Um, never had any idea that that's what he would be facing uh, last Tuesday night when he went to bed, helping his dad. Um, so I want you to turn to your partner and share at whatever level you want to share. If you want to just say to your partner, I can't share it, but I'm struggling. That's okay. That's cool. But I want to give you an opportunity to just verbalize what you're struggling with, where the battlefront is for you. Okay? Go. <clears throat> All right, guys, let's work together. Let's work together. 
I, I hope with just that small exchange that you're more conscious of not only your own battle that you're facing, but the battle um, that's going on in the guy sitting next to you. Every guy's in a battle. Every guy's hurting. And yet, we don't take the opportunity to share that with each other. You know? Um, we talk about the weather. We talk about football. You know? We talk about our yards and our cows and our dogs. Uh, but it's like, what battle are you facing? And certainly, the first step in growing always is to acknowledge your own uh, failures, your own need, uh, your own difficulty. Um, that, that's appropriate. But you never grow until you start reaching out to another person. And you don't start reaching out to another person after you get uh, all of your stuff together. <laughs> that, that never happens. That, that just doesn't happen. And so part of your healing is to reach out and help somebody else, even in the midst of your own pain. So question number three that I'd ask you is this, what act of bravery and courage do you need to take today? What action will you take to pursue your dreams? What action will you take? I would even ask it another way. Who will you help today? Who could you reach out to? Son, daughter, wife. Um, and, and part of taking an act of bravery is just to simply say, I will trust God today. I'll trust God in that meeting that I need to speak into. I'll trust God today. Lord, I will trust you. I really believe that today is a gift and that you have a mission for me even today. Um, do not live unconscious or defensively um, in your guilt and in your shame and trying to survive. I don't want to survive. Do you? I want to thrive. And God always makes a way. And so what what we're calling our session today is one more, one more, one more thing I can do, one more thing. There's always, always one more thing. Lieutenant Hal Moore is the first one that coined that in my life. It's probably been said for generations, but Hal Moore always said, no matter how much you're hemmed in, blocked in, there's always one more thing on the battlefield that you can do. Guys, we're in a battle. So I want you to turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 23. We'll jump in again uh, with David's men. Um, David uh, had 30 men that turned into 37 men, but he had three that he was especially close to. Three guys. You know who your three guys are, don't you? That's the way life is intended to be lived. You and three guys that you're especially close to. Verse 8. This is the listing of David's top men 
Joshebas Shebeth, the Tachyamanite, he was chief of the three, captain of the team. He once put his spear to work against 800 and killed them all in a day. Number two guy, Eleazar, son of Dode, the Ahoyhite, was the next of the elite three. He was with David when the Philistines poked fun at them at Pass Daman. Poked fun, made fun. In your study Bible, uh, it reads they, they were a reproach. They were insulting. He was with David when the Philistines were making fun of the Israelites. They didn't take him serious. They weren't fighters in the eyes of the Philistines. They didn't take him serious. When the Philistines drew up for battle, Israel retreated. Wow. Passive men and angry women. That's what life looks like. They retreated. He retreated. But Eleazar, but Eleazar, but stood his ground and killed Philistines right and left until he was exhausted. One more, one more, one more. But he never let go of his sword. A big win for God that day. The army that rejoined Eleazar, the, the army then rejoined Eleazar. Isn't that, is that not hilarious? I mean, the army retreats. They stand out there and watch Eleazar fight the Philistines pretty much by himself. And then they poke their head up. They're all dead. And then they come out. But all there was left to do was to clean up. They just came and cleaned it up. Dude, do you want to be the guy hiding behind the rock? Or do you want to be Eleazar? One more. I don't want to be laughed at by the enemy. Do you? Do you? You know... Sports is such a great metaphor for life. And I'm so grateful for when I was younger. I mean, I, you know, I'd be crazier, as a, uh, crazier than I already am if I hadn't had sports. And, you know, I loved, loved when I was playing high school and college basketball, I loved playing against the better teams. I mean, it wasn't really any fun when we'd beat a team by 20 or 30. You know, I wanted to go up against, you know, the Goliaths. That was when it was fun. And it's like all too often we just want to play the teams in our own personal life that are easy to beat. We don't want to play the hard teams, the Goliaths. We don't want to do that, you know. We don't want to be Appalachian State going down to Baton Rouge. How about that? All you LSU fans, you know? It's like they go down and beat them. 
it's like God has given us an opportunity. One more. One more. Just, just today, do the one more thing that you know to do. Life can be a game of inches. It's a game of inches. So this idea of go, just inches, a game of inches. Life is a game of inches. A two-inch event can change the trajectory of your life. God is in the business of strategically positioning us in the right place at the right time. I don't believe in coincidence. Not if you're living a spirit-filled life. I believe in providence. One of the, one of the most important doctrines of our faith that we can learn is the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. That, that is critical that I believe in somehow mystical, mysterious way that God is in charge of everything. Now, I, you know, I've, I've sat in so many theological classrooms and all the different arguments and all that, and you know, all the, it, look, at the end of the day, God's in charge. I don't understand all of that. I don't pretend to give an explanation of that, but at the end of the day and in the beginning of the day, I know that somehow, mystically and mysteriously, God is in charge. Even when I screw up, God intends to use my screw up as an instrument in his redemptive hand to bring glory to him and healing to me. That, that is the beautiful art that takes place at um, our dear camp at Men's Coaching Weekend. Broken story after broken story after broken story becomes this at the end of the weekend, this beautiful mosaic of God's redemptive healing. It's providential. I believe in a sovereign God who is ordering our footsteps, preparing good works in advance and making all things work together for good. I invite you to focus on becoming the man God created you to be. And listen to this. If you keep doing the right things day in and day out, God will hold up his end of the bargain. When God tells you to go just a little farther, a divine appointment might be one inch away. Don't miss the miracle. Keep going, keep going, keep going. God has a plan. He's working that plan, but you've got to be faithful. Keep showing up. I want to show you a clip that illustrates this point beautifully. Um, on our coaching weekend, we always watch a movie on Friday night, and we watch Lone Survivor this past Friday night and work with that. Um, and so I want to show you um, a presentation that Marcus Luttrell, the Lone Survivor, everybody knows this story, the four Navy SEALs that were on a mission in Afghanistan, and three of them were killed uh, in an incredible firefight, and uh, Marcus Luttrell survived. Um, I want you to listen to his story, and I want you to keep in mind one more inch, one more inch. Watch this.
Those of you who seen the movie, that fall we did, this is where it all started, right there. And we we pinballed through this this uh, yeah. grove of trees for about 200 yards. I landed on my back, and I broke my back in multiple places, broke my pelvis, and Mikey landed on his face. I remember he crushed his face pretty bad because when he sat up to look at me, it was, you know, all bloody or whatever. He turned around. Well, that's when they hit us with the rockets and the mortars, and our world just kind of started blowing up around us. Well, that's, it was time to go to work, all right? And at no point in time did, was any of our, my teammates afraid of anything. At no point in time did anybody stall in the door, so to speak. They didn't, they didn't kind of back up and say, hey, I don't want to be in this. It was, hey, this is what we're here to do. Let's do this. About an hour and a half into this, this gun battle, Danny had broken both his femurs. He had a compound fracture on one of his tip fibs and he had been shot four times that I know of. So I was dragging him. In the movie, they kind of portrayed this the right way, but except for one piece, and that's where we were separated, he didn't die alone. Any, any and all my guys that got killed, I was right there. Well, I picked him up over my shoulder to take the brunt of this fall. And when I turned around to take the fall, I spun him right into a bullet. I shot him right in the back of the head, blew his head off, killed him right then and there. Well, I wasn't ready for his dead weight. And when he fell over the top of me, it collapsed me. And I flipped off of this, this rock embankment and face planted into this boulder. I broke my nose real bad, shoved it through my face actually, and I bit my tongue in half and I swallowed it. And that totally incapacitated me. I was, I was on all fours, I mean like a bitch, trying to throw that thing up, man. I finally got it up, I, bit, I put it in between my teeth and bit down on it again so I wouldn't swallow it. And Mikey was out on this boulder, just like the movie, he was out on this no cover, no nothing, and crawled out to this, this embankment to make our uh, sat phone call. He was sitting up and took two rounds to the chest, spun him like a top dropped him on his face and this bothered me he was my best friend had been for a long time we've been through a lot of stuff together I mean I you know I loved him I never told him I loved him while he was alive because guys we just don't do that but you know I'm, I'll see him again soon probably one of the first things I tell him and then he started screaming my name for help you could hear a lot of AK fire into his area a lot of uh, RPGs I mean they were laying it on him pretty hard because I couldn't get to him it was too steep and he had that sat phone up next to his ear, and he got shot right between the shoulder blades, dropped him right on his face. Normally, to break a Navy SEAL, you have to kill us. That's why we make it into our training. That's why we can call ourselves SEALs, because the only way you're going to break us is to kill us. I snapped right there, like a twig, like a little bitch. I couldn't, handle, I couldn't stand to hear him die. They killed him. I never saw him again, ever. I caught up uh, with Axe. He was a couple of hundred yards below me, and an RPG hit behind him, separated us. Blew him one way, blew me another. I never saw him again for the rest of my life. It knocked me out again. When I came to, I was laid over the backside of this rock. I was upside down. My pants, med gear, kit, GPS, compass, all that stuff was gone. I had a harness on, had one magazine with 11 rounds in it. I went out there with 13 magazines of 30 rounds. I rolled over. I was paralyzed from the waist down. I started crawling, pull, using my elbows, I started pulling myself through the dirt into the side of this ravine. Well, I got up, man, the sun was going down, and I just started, I started to crawl. Well, I was in bad shape. I was dying. I didn't know what to do. And I was laying in this tree, uh, looking at the moon, and feeling sorry for myself. And I must have laid there, and I was thinking, my brother's a Navy SEAL too. I got a twin brother, he's a Navy SEAL. And I was thinking about him a lot and my teammates and, and everything that I, uh, all the training that I had been through. And I, I laid there, I was like, 
You're being a bitch. Get up. Let's go. That's exactly what I said. What was I going to do? Lay down there and die? I wasn't going to do that. I definitely wasn't going to feel sorry for myself. And I kept thinking, I was like, all right, I'm still alive, man. I'm alive. I mean, they, they fought and died. I'm still alive. So the mission's still on. Let's go. So I reached out and I grabbed a rock. And I reached out as far as I could and I drew a line in the dirt in front of me. I was like, I'm going to crawl to that until my feet hit it. If I'm still alive, I'm going to do it again. And that's what I did. I'd draw a line, crawl to it, my feet would hit it. I'd fall down a hill, I'd crawl up another hill, I'd draw another line. And I did that for seven miles. When it was an option, when I was out there and I shot, I laid down there, and somebody was like, well, why didn't you quit? Because that's not an option, all right? That's not what I am. You understand what I mean? So if I, I'm a Navy SEAL, I'm a gunfighter, I'm a, I'm a warfighter, and if I get shot and I can pick myself up, I'm gonna pick myself up to shoot me again and kill me. Basically, I'm not gonna stop, ever, period, until you take everything away from me, you strip it all away. That's the way we're trained. From the day you go into training, they take away everything that you are and that you ever were, and then they mold you back up to what they want you to be. You accept the fact that you're a, you're a football player. So why in the hell would something prevent you from doing that? and doing what you're supposed to be doing on the field. That wasn't my job. The Navy SEAL wasn't my job. That's what I am. If you're a damn football player and a good one, that's what you are. It's not what you do. And if you're a part of something to where you, your whole livelihood and everything you depends on another man, that's where that bond comes from. Everybody knows that a bond is forged in adversity, right? But rely on each, on each other, man. Love each other as a team. Ain't nobody out here that you ain't willing to sacrifice everything for. Every day, man, what you got, you got If you're gonna walk through me, man, you better bring some help. That's what you gotta do. Cause I got my boys right here, we're about to find out. That's what you gotta do. Amen. Like, it's gonna take everything you got to get to the end of this field. But pray to God you put the work in, because I have. Amen. Amen. It's funny when I pull that uh, uh, clip up, that's obviously the British version. Uh, a little rugby. Running with the soccer ball. That's right. Running with the soccer ball. Guys, I'm, I think that's a sermon. I think that's what scripture teaches. I think that we have become way too passive. I hate, as I said, I hate passivity. I just hate it. I hate it in me. I hate it when I won't speak up, when I won't take responsibility, when I won't fight for my wife and my girls, when I won't fight for you, and I just want to be comfortable. I want another umbrella drink on the beach. Really? That, that's kind of your goal, to have another umbrella drink on the beach? It's not what life's about. Um, Marcus Luttrell, isn't, isn't that incredible? How, how long did he draw one line, crawl one more inch? How long did he do that? Seven miles. Seven miles. Seven miles. You think he was exaggerating? He was just trying to make an illustration? You know, us speakers will kind of, you know, evangelistically share, you know? <laughs> you know? I don't think he was evangelistically sharing. I think he crawled seven miles, one inch at a time. How far would you crawl? You know, three feet? I crawled 36 inches. 
No, seven miles. They don't portray that in the movie. You know why they don't portray that in the movie? I think nobody would believe it. You know, nobody crawls seven miles. Dude, how long will you work to face the challenge relationally, circumstantially, to overcome your addiction, to learn the skills? You know, three skills that I think is absolutely for men to learn that we're just so often not willing to learn. I don't see this written um, a lot. Um, it's definitely written, but we need to talk more about it. Three skills that you need to learn, that I need to learn. Number one, vulnerability. To be vulnerable, to acknowledge my need. I need help. I don't know how. Okay, well, that's cool. Find somebody that does. I, you know, I love helping men, but the hardest guy to help is the guy that's not vulnerable. He walks into my office thinking he's the smartest guy in there. He ain't, not in my office, not in my office, you know? Oh, you came in here to help me understand how smart you are? Why did you come? You don't need help. You need an audience that'll applaud you for how smart you are. And I ain't, I ain't that guy. You got the wrong guy. Vulnerability. The next skill that we need to learn is feedback. Feedback. What's it like to be with me? What's it like to be in a relationship with me? Help me understand the pieces of me that I don't see. Nobody ever knows who they are until they see themselves through the eyes of another. That's the way babies figure out who they are. They look into the eyes of mama and then eventually daddy. The third skill that we need to learn as men is how to be on a team. How to be a team member. Let somebody senior teach you how to be. You need a senior member. And then later on, you become the senior member and you make others better team members. Be on a team, learn from the senior members, and then you become a man who is caring for others. That's, that's a good team. You make others better because you've learned the skills of being on a team. I you to turn over to Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Open doors, open doors. Jesus almost communicates this parenthetically. Revelation chapter three, just a simple uh, verse says this. Re Revelation three, verse seven. Write this to Philadelphia, to the angel of the church, the holy true David's key in his hand, Opening doors no one can lock, locking doors no one can open. Parenthetically, opening doors no one can lock, locking doors no one can open. Thank God for locked doors. God, I want to go through that door. And God says, no, that's not the way to go. Thank you, God, for that locked door. Think about where you would be if God had answered your prayers the way you prayed them. Thank you, God. 
Thank you, God. But how many times have we refused to go through the open door that God invites us into? Open and closed doors. What we say um, at, at our men's weekend is plan B, your plan B, your plan B is often God's plan A. It's like, I thought it was going to be this way. But, you know, I'm, I guess I'm operating on plan B. And, and God says, dude, your plan B was my plan A all along. Get in step. Face the challenge. Acknowledge that God is in control. I want you to be in control. I'll show up. And then this last piece, destiny. God has a plan for your life. He holds your destiny in his hand. I believe that. You know, when we talk about destiny, what are we talking about? Your future is what we're talking about. Your intention. I want to be intentional about my life. I want to know what I'm designed for. I want to know the architect's design. Destiny is the idea of design. God, what did you mean for me to be? What did you mean as my mission? What was my design? Expectation. When we're talking destiny, we're talking about expectation. You know, I believe God has great expectations. When I have the privilege of doing a wedding, I acknowledge in the wedding ceremony, uh, husband, groom, bride, wife, soon to be in a few minutes, have great expectations for one another. Expect more. Don't be passive. That's your destiny. It's a divine decree. It is what is written. Your life and my life is written in the Lamb's book of life. Are you going to step into that life? Or are you just going to lay and die? Like Marcus Luttrell said, what am I going to do? Lay here and feel sorry for myself and die? Not if you're a Navy SEAL. Not if you're a child of God. A child of God. I take great pride in being a child of God. I didn't choose God. I'm not that smart, not that spiritual, not definitely not that humble. But God chose me. It's a whole lot better than being a Navy SEAL. A child of God. Will you fight? One more. One more inch. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for our time this morning. Thank you for my brothers. Uh, we've shown up uh, for our mission, our marching orders today. Empower us um, to live out the mission you've given us. And may it bring honor to you and healing to us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a great week.